You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 126 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, coming to you live from here in Canada, New York, um, where I'm currently on a work retreat, uh, work trip, and always, always joined by my co-host, Connor Hurley. Hurls, how are you doing? I'm doing good. 126. That's that's a pretty significant amount of episodes. Yeah, I know. I, I'm pretty sure it's 126. I didn't double check to make sure that I had the right episode, but... I do recall, I think last episode was 125, so I think we're on 126. It's pretty solid. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, obviously, uh, a little bit of a nightmare scenario for Sabres fans, as we will yeah. obviously dive into here with Vegas up 2 nothing and Jack Eichel in the driver's seat for the Consumite Trophy. Uh, of course, what else was going to happen, obviously, uh, in his first full season back with the team? Um, of course that was going to happen given the Ryan O'Reilly narrative of the past, but it is what it is and we can get right into it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been really interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um, nightmare scenario is putting it lightly. I think I, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago, if I have to watch Jack Eichel win a Stanley cup, I might stick a pencil in my eye. Um, again, only in Buffalo with this stuff like this. The, the, the stories unfold like this. It's almost like an like a a long term WWE storyline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the way the way this all unfolded. Um, it, it sucks, but uh, yeah, that's why series are seven games. Um, Panthers are back at it at home where they've been very successful, and I hope that uh, you know they can tie this series up and take it back to Vegas. Uh, you know, with some momentum. We'll see. You know, Bob. You know. I think we saw the really first crack in the armor of Bobrovsky in game in game two. Um, you know, I had again. I know you, you saw a lot of people questioning the officiating, but listen, you, you lost seven deuce. Um, refs aren't the reason you lost that game. I'm sure that didn't help, but that's not the reason you lost that game. Um, but obviously, uh, it, it, you know. You, all the things that were going right for Florida up until now, um, the play of Matthew Kachuk, the absolute unbelievable elite goaltending from Bobrovsky, just how well they were playing in their own end, uh, the physical side of their game. Like no, nothing's really seems to be, it doesn't seem like this to be coming together. And do you think that's because of the long layoff hurdles? Do you think that, that that's part of it? I mean, you could argue that they lost a tiny bit of their momentum. Obviously, even before the playoffs started, they were playing as if they were in the playoffs for probably a good three to four weeks. That game against the Sabres, which Devin Levi started, I think with like two weeks left to go in the regular season. Obviously that was a must win for both teams, but that was a playoff game. 
They had all of their momentum. They had all of their players get healthy right around the same time towards the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs. And as you keep going through these rounds, you get more banged up, you get more tired. And after you finally like get over that last little hump before the Stanley Cup final, which is winning the Eastern Conference, significant, significant accomplishment, uh, let alone for a team that was the President's Trophy winner last season with the best record in the regular season, and they didn't quite make it. They didn't even win the Eastern Conference last year. Uh, for them to do that as the last team to get in, beating the Bruins as the best team in the regular season, I think yep. that was a little bit a little bit of an emotional, like potentially of a letdown. Like going into the Stanley Cup final, obviously Vegas had a little bit of a tougher series. Um, you could argue that. I mean, I think that is a narrative that happens both in the NHL and the NBA with waiting. Would you prefer to just get right into it and keep that momentum? Or would you prefer to rest up and maybe heal some injuries that aren't like obviously very crucial, but also like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to hurt you. So that potentially could be a factor, but as you said, what got them to this point largely was the play of Matthew Kachuk and the play of Sergei Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Let's call him Bob. Yeah. Um, the play of Bob. We were arguing who would win the Conn Smythe if the Panthers were to win uh, the Stanley cup final last episode. And it, we we said it really depended on what happened in in this uh, in this series, and right now neither guy has has played up to the standard that they they brought for themselves in the, in no, the first three rounds. No. So that's kind of what Chuck had a game. Kano Kachuk had a goal last game, and obviously the hit heard around the hockey world, where I'm surprised that Eichel returned to that game. That was nuts. I mean, and it was clean too. Even Eichel admitted it after the game. That was a clean hit. Um, Eichel was at the end of his shift. He was he was. You know, he was dog, not dogging it, but he was gasping for air a little bit, trying, you know, trying to make one last play. And Kachuk caught him. Um, clean hit, shoulder to the chest. Um, I was surprised he returned to that game, but he did. And he ended up setting up an important goal for them. Um, but uh, to, to that point, too, like one of the biggest things also that has helped outside of Matthew Kachuk and Bobrovsky is the fact that, you know, they've had somewhat of balanced scoring up and down their lineup and they haven't gotten that. Um, like Sam Reinhart hasn't really looked effective out there. You know, one of the guys it's honestly really surprised me in these playoffs is the up and down play of Barkoff. Um, your number one center, uh, your guy that you leaned heavily on for a long time. He's your captain. It's been very up and down, very streaky. And this is not the time where you know, your, your captain can be playing streaky. You, you need him to start showing up and more so now than ever in game three. Yeah. And I, I think this really also shows how incredibly deep Vegas is. Like they've been building this roster for such a long time. Obviously this is their sixth season as a team, but in their, I think their first or second season, they went to the Stanley cup final. They were so first season. Their yeah, first season went to the finals. Yeah. First season. So they've got six of those guys, March or so, William Carlson, uh, Brady McNabb, um, Shea Theodore. They have all those guys who have been there. They know the system. They they know the way they play. And then over the course, I found this really interesting. The only guy on that team that is homegrown is Haig. The only guy they've drafted and developed to the point where he's still on the roster and playing for them mm -hmm. in the Stanley Cup final right now is, I, f I forget his first name, but that's a wild stat. They've basically built their team to the point of, making these trades, bringing guys over that obviously 
the allure of Las Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Jack Eichel r- would have gone just anywhere. I'm not sure if he had a no trade clause or not. Um, but the fact that he went to Vegas with all of these superstars already there, Mark Stone left Ottawa and went to Vegas. Um, Alex Petrangelo won a cup with the St. Louis Blues, went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. These are guys that have established themselves as superstars in other places in the NHL. And they left and went to this expansion team, which doesn't even feel like an expansion team anymore. They already have as much of a reputation and as much of a influence in the NHL as almost any other team. And obviously Gary Batman's very, very happy about that. Um, but the way this team is built up and down the lineup, four, four lines of guys that can score. Um, what we talked about last time in terms of the con Smythe right now, like who do you give it to? Um, obviously Jack Eichel is one of their leading point getters and, but at the same time, he hasn't scored a lot of goals. Jonathan Marcheseau, who's been there since the beginning, is now, I think, on a 10 or 11-game point streak. And he's getting all of these very important goals at very important moments. And then out of nowhere, they get a goalie who started out as their fourth or fifth stringer to start the season. And he's the second coming of Patrick Watt. Like, somehow, Aiden Hill is unbelievable. He's played out of his goddamn mind to the point where he's not the same goalie that he was on the Coyotes or the Sharks early in his career. I mean, he's six foot six. And if you get the right positioning and you have the right defense in front of you when you're a six foot six goalie, you're probably going to have a good day. But he's been amazing. And yeah, like like I said, it just really shows how good this team is. And it kind of makes the blow of Eichel winning it a little bit less because he is surrounded by such a good team. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at that Mark Stone trade that they made with Ottawa originally to bring him in. And he ended up obviously being their captain. Um, how good of a deal that was. I mean, it, it didn't take them a ton to get him. Um, he was already trying to be a superstar, you know, with Ottawa. And then they make that deal. They find their, their future captain. Uh, maybe they didn't know it yet. Um, he was just named their captain. What last season? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, um, it was after Petrangelo was traded. I believe Petran, no, Petrangelo wasn't their captain. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not the Petrangelo. Uh, <sighs> Who was the captain before? Patretti? Patretti, yes. Was Patretti the captain? Maybe. I'm not sure, to be honest. I can't remember who the captain was, their inaugural captain. I, I just can't. It wasn't Mark Stone. I know that. Yeah. Obviously, he was just named yeah. captain. A guy they traded for somewhat recently is now. Tran- Petrangelo was in Vegas, right? He might have been. I, I, I can't confirm it, to be honest. but I don't know where he is now. I, he might He might be in Vegas. I, I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, yeah, hockey show here, guys. Um, but – what do the Panthers have to do to get themselves back into this series, to tie this series back up at home where, you know, you would, you would feel more comfortable, obviously playing at home. Any team does, but I would say when it's sold out, Vegas is the toughest arena to play in right now in the NHL, because those fans do are out of their minds into, which is, yeah, I wouldn't say surprising, but compared to other hockey markets in the league, um, I would say it's the toughest, toughest arena to play in right now. Um, where you go there and you go to Vegas, you're probably going to get a good chunk of Vegas fans in Florida. Just are. Um, I I wouldn't say even, you know, the Panthers are a Stanley cup, uh, obviously the Stanley cup finals, but they still have, they would still have trouble selling out that arena. (laughs) I mean, it's a fan base that we've seen like throughout the years, they're not consistent and it's, it's, it's a pretty fair weather fan base. Um, Yeah. The the old saying goes like the series doesn't start until you lose a game at home. Obviously, game three is a must win. 
And I would even argue that both games are must win, given what you just said about the atmosphere yeah. in Vegas. Like it, it is one of the best home, home ice advantages in the league. And there, that really says something about the organization. The fact that in less than seven years, uh, the team has created this type of distinct advantage. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, they need to play tough. They need secondary goal scoring. Uh, Sam Reinhardt has got to wake up. Uh, Brandon Montour has been great. He's been creating chances, but not to the point that he was in the first three rounds. Um, yeah. Sam Bennett, Anthony Duclair, like you said, Barkov, all these guys who produce these very clutch moments against the Leafs and the Hurricanes and the Bruins, they've been nowhere to be found. Um, that says something about Vegas again, like their defensive structure and everything about that team up and down the lineup has neutralized all of these guys. Even Matthew Kachuk, who we were talking about a top two or three player in the league before this series, given the way he was playing. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't a crazy discussion. Obviously, I think it's probably still McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is one and two, but they lost to Vegas too. And they're sitting at home right now because this team is so well-structured. Like before this season or even the last couple of seasons, like who'd heard of Chandler Stevenson? Like this dude yeah. is unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Like he's unbelievable and he's playing so well given how incredibly, I mean, Bruce Cassidy done a great job. He was a really good coach for the Bruins and they didn't meet their expectations. Vegas swoops him up and now he's probably going to win a cup. Um, it, it, I mean, I don't think it's over like by any means, but I really do believe this team. This is not going to be a sweep. No. Florida's going to win a game. I really, I really I sure they're hope too not, good. to be honest. They're too talented. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think Bobrovsky, I think it was good that he got pulled. I think that gives him a chance to reset and hopefully get his bearings back under him. Because like we said, like his biggest problem in the past has been his consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Like we always knew that he had the talent, he had the ability. It was just putting it all together at the right time. And he finally did. He was dominant in the first three rounds. But now, obviously, a little bit of adversity. I think you need a massive game from him uh, on yep. Thursday night. You need something that is a 35-40 save performance uh, because Vegas is going to get their chances. They're big, they're strong, they're well-structured. I don't think they've been physical enough either. Like, that was a big part of their game to plan, too, the first three rounds. It's just you weren't going to come in to a game against the Florida Panthers and out-physically out play them. Like, you know, you have a guy like who's a unicorn, like Matthew Kachuk. You saw it firsthand on, the, on Eichel. Like, he's he's going to make you earn it along the boards. You know, he's good. You know, when he goes to the front of the net, man, he he's going to hurt you. Um, to get to that puck and you know a lot of that part of their game has just kind of disappeared it just dissipated I, and I I, I I even said that going into this round I was like if you can play the same brand of hockey you have the first three rounds and be as physical as you've been in the first three rounds getting pucks than that winning the battles in front of that physically getting to those loose pucks you're gonna win this. You're gonna win the Stanley Cup, and they just have not done that. And it drives me nuts watching some of these games. Both these games, it's just like, you know, where is that brand of hockey? Where is it gone? Yeah, it's seven. Like you said, like that. That could be fatigue. Uh, they've essentially been playing playoff games for the past two and a half months. So, unfortunately, like of course you you go on this run and you finally mm -hmm. put it all together, and then you go up a. a, a you go up against a team that's perfectly set up and perfectly built to play against you. Like Vegas, like, of course they didn't have as tough of a run to get here. Uh, but they also kind of like, 
it felt like they rested a lot of their starters going into the playoffs. Like Mark Stone got mm-hmm. healthy at the right time. Um, Jack Eichel like really ramped up towards the end of the season. Like he even mid early midway point in the season, I was reading, reading quotes from Bruce Cassidy that he needed more out of Eichel. And now as mm-hmm. Sabres fans, as we know better than anybody, we're seeing the type of game that he can play as, as amazing of a goal scorer as he was for the Sabres, especially in the year before uh, the shortened season, he at his core is a distributor. He's a playmaker. He is one of the best skaters in the league. He finds the open man, and that's what he's doing right now with March so and, and other guys. Um, we all knew he was good. Like, that was never the problem. Of course, the issue was the, the back surgery and the way he handled it coming back. But everybody knows how good he is. I think the 1A, yeah. one, the, the 1A, 1B thing with McDavid and Eichel was completely overblown leading into that draft. Like, McDavid was way better than everybody thought, and maybe Eichel was – a little bit worse than what he was projected as. Yeah, I wouldn't even like use the word worse. It was no, just he's just not in his stratosphere. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's, I mean, even in the Austin Matthews draft, I mean, that one could have went either way. I mean, Eichel's number one overall in any other draft, you know. Yeah, um, I, I think Matthews probably still would have gone over Eichel potentially. Um, I mean, the dude, the, the the first year Eichel had uh, in college. It was the best year a college player has had since Paul Korea, you know, yeah. like, and now you're kind of seeing that in the infantile, not, not as much as what Eichel did at BU. For but sure. um, regardless, um, you know, and obviously you had Tim Murray's reaction to losing the lottery. That didn't help um, the constant, 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 like, um, you know, uh, be reminded that, you know, it's you and McDavid, Eichel versus McDavid, even after the draft was done and over with and that their rookie seasons commenced to like, you know, that had to be annoying. And another thing that bugged me too, is just like, you know, we tanked for the, one of these two guys, obviously your tank for McDavid, but obviously Eichel pretty great player to get to at the time. Um, and it was, I always agreed with Eichel's feeling like what he, like, I always agree. It's your body, your choice. It's his, sure. neck. he has a life after hockey. He should be able to make that choice for himself. And I think it's disgusting that that isn't given to players. That right is a given to players in the, in the, uh, uh, the bargaining agreement, uh, collective bar, the CBA. Um, but with that all being said, uh, we all know how great of a player he was. I was always, I never put the blame on Jack Eichel in terms of his talent, his, his abilities. Um, obviously I don't think that, or I think we all seen it after the trade was over with, you know, he wasn't a leader. He wasn't ready to be a leader here in Buffalo. Um, but in terms of where you're going to point the finger as far as blame, I don't think you're pointing the finger at Jack Eichel, the first, second, third, or fourth, or fifth reason. No, I like, honestly, like, I was completely fine with the entire situation until he came back and had that interview after the first game. Dude. Um, I think that is when he turned the tide in terms of uh, the public opinion of Sabres fans towards him. Yep. It was a cheap my, shot. My problem, my problems with Jack, and it even wasn't even that much at the time because – um, I was on uh, on ESPN the night of his return to Buffalo. Um, you know, Greg Wyshynski and Art O'Kale had me on their show, The Drop. 
Uh, I got to I got to follow up actually. I got to follow up Rick Jenner. Uh, how about that? Um, I don't know how you follow up that guy, but they asked your opinion, my opinion. Um, you know what? How do you feel Sabres fans should receive Jack Eichel? And I said I hope they do respect him because he did he was involved with the community, and you know I tried to put some sugar coat on it, but at the end of the day, do we booed Danny Briere? Yeah, like, like we booed Chris Jury, we booed Ryan Campbell. He's gonna get booed. We're no different than Philadelphia fans. Yeah, we're, know, no different, gonna, we're no different than any other yeah. sports town that cares about their fan base. And whether you like it or not, like yeah, you're gonna you get had booed. to know that there was gonna be some type of stress. Yes, you had to, as a player. How could you possibly think that you would be cheered and lauded to the point that you were the savior that like yeah. God's greatest gift to earth but, for Buffalo? You didn't really do it. No. But here's where my problem with him began. I was even willing to say those things about him even after this. It was the interview with Elliot Friedman. That didn't have to happen. He did not have to do that interview. I get it. You want to put it out there. You want your side of the story out there. You know what, dude? You can do that with a tweet if you want to. You could you could do that in other ways. To go on national TV with Elliot Friedman. It was literally right after the trade. And – admits is like oh yeah i did request a trade i did request a trade um mind you that trade request was barely a year after you signed the biggest deal in franchise history this team committed 10 million dollars a year to you over eight years and you requested a trade because you didn't want to be a part of another rebuild um dad dude that's a terrible look and then we go out and we sign taylor hall for one year at eight million when the reality of it is that money could have been broken up and spent in many other places where you needed help desperately to be a competitive hockey team. And that ends up blowing up in your face because you gave them a no movement clause and you only got a second round pick and Anders Bjork out of that. Yeah. That was a joke. And that was because of you, Jack Eichel. That's the reason why we got him because of you and your trade request. So he cops to all that. And he essentially kind of, not not directly, but almost sewers Buffalo and the organization in a way. And then obviously the post-game comments come. And I'm like, I was on his side for a long time, a yep. long, long time. And then he made those fucking comments. And that right for, you know, again, I am so surprised that with him making the finals and how well he's played that I don't wake up and my mentions – like because I – just search my Twitter handle and Jack Eichel's name. You'll see it. I've, I've been sewering yeah. in for 365 I, I, days. I would say, like, I'm right there, too. I, I'm of the opinion now, and I was with Ryan O'Reilly, that, like, you can move on from things. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not, I don't spend every day thinking about Jack Eichel. Of course, well, I'm a passionate Sabres fan, and I think a lot of us are. I think it's to the point where it eventually worked out really well for both sides. As we've discussed, it was a really, really good trade given the situation. We got 100%. I would say of equal or maybe even better down the line, quality player back in, in Alex Tuck, who wants to be here, born and raised a Sabres fan, probably a future captain or assistant captain. We got Peyton Krebs. We got draft picks. We got guys who want to be here. And mm-hmm. from the beginning, especially as you mentioned with Tim Murray and the way the draft happened, it never fully felt like he wanted to be here. We've mentioned the interview he did with Josh Allen. Of course he was good in community. And like, I think he kind of had to be, to be honest, like that seems like an obligation. If you're the star player of one of the two major professional sports teams in the city, like I'm not saying anything about him personally, aside from the fact that 
his reaction to the entire situation was extremely immature. And of course you can be upset about being booed, but you don't need to trash the city, trash the fan base on your way out. There was no point to that. And now that you've done that, you know that, I mean, he probably doesn't care at this point, but he's a heel for the rest of eternity in the city of Buffalo. Oh yeah. He'll never, he'll never get cheered again in this city. I, I think the only way he could even mend that bridge is probably maybe after his career is over with. Yeah, um, or, I mean, even saying something before he plays here next year or something yeah, else. Yeah, you know like, I mean? like, he's going to be a Stanley Cup champion. Like, he's going to get what he wants. He finally got on a good team that supports him. If he were to I'll say something, it, like, those comments were immature. I didn't mean it. I love the fans. Yeah. I'll know. put it this way. Had he not made those comments and had that interview with Elliot Freeman never happened, he just left it alone and moved on, I think he is a, a big contingent of fans here in Buffalo rooting him for him to win a cup. For sure. I mean, he was was the best thing that happened to the organization in seven or eight years. He gave Mm -hmm. us highlights. He made us nationally relevant again. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were never really close to the playoffs, but also we were never really good enough to be. We never surrounded him with enough talent to make that happen. Um, Obviously, a lot of unfortunate circumstances with COVID and his injury and everything else. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, as we've discussed, of course, this is a Hollywood script that is going to only add to – uh, the lore that Buffalo sports are cursed and if, they will continue to be cursed unless we finally win one. Uh, if, it is what it is. If this was a movie script, who would play Jack Eichel? God, I'm trying. I always compare him to the the guy from uh, from Home Alone. One of the yeah, one, yeah, one he's of part of bandits. that meme. The the guy with the curly hair. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know his actor name, but I think he's too old for him at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like who plays like a really good villain in movies like Cillian Murphy? Like yeah, if you there's a good one. Like that type of thing. Like a guy that like is very he's good. He's a bad guy. Yeah, who who's very like he's obviously in um uh the the movie with the the TV show on Netflix with the guys with the hats and the fucking I can't I yeah. can't think of it right now. But either way, a, a guy like that who is a notorious villain. Like that's what yeah. I think about him. At he's got time. like the mustache and he's always twirling like this. Mm, yeah. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I can't really think about like, I mean, Macaulay Culkin kind of looks like him to be honest, but <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't, like, I don't know. He's a very unique looking person. Yeah. And that's right. not even taking a shot at him. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I think we can now kind of look at it objectively as he's a very good player. He's going to be a very good player in the league for the next 10 years. Given the way that this team is structured, they might be built to win two or three more cups, which is saying something. And it's also, I thought about this last night, especially given that it's the Panthers in the Stanley Cup final and they got in by one point and mm-hmm. the team that they got in over was us. Theoretically, had the Sabres got in, Devin Levi catches lightning in a bottle. They beat the Bruins in the first round, beat the Leafs in the second round, beat the Panthers in the third round. Imagine that storyline and get to the Stanley Cup final and we're playing Jack Eichel. Can you possibly imagine the storyline and everything around the, the emotions surrounding that? And it also made me think that given how good Vegas is and how they're set up for the future and everything else, that is a legit and distinct possibility for the future. Mm-hmm. Especially if the Sabres do as we wish this summer, for instance, Connor Hellebuck, or if the Flyers are um, completely tanking, and selling everybody off this summer, Travis Konecki or Kevin Hayes or types of guys like that we can bring in and become a legitimate Eastern Conference playoff contender. We can very well meet Jack Eichel in the Stanley Cup final next year or the year after. So 
I personally hope it happens because that's the type of Hollywood script that I think that we deserve. Finally, yes. a bit, like I always thought about like it, it could have happened a couple of years ago, the Bills meeting Tom Brady in the Super Bowl on the on the Buccaneers. If the Sabres, yeah. if the Sabres be, meet Jack Eichel on the Knights in the finals in the next two years or however it happens, that would be the perfect ending. So I we, agree. Can cross, we can cross our fingers. And I think, I, I think too, and I, I pose this question, you know, after the, you know, you know, when, when things really started to finally trend in the right direction, especially with when Levi came around and I, I genuinely thought it was a, a right question. And if the bills, you know, I, I don't mean to play, you know, a guy who tries to create angst or anxiety in between the fan bases. But I think that it's a legitimate question to ask that. I mean, the Sabres could, I mean, they're plus 4,500 right now. Uh, they have plus 4,500 to win the Stanley Cup next season. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. No, it's not. But, I mean, I'd put 100 bucks on it. I would. Like, which team wins first? Huh? Like, which team wins first, the Sabres or the Bills? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. I think the Stanley Cup is much harder to win. Oh, um, it is. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, you need to win three series, four games each to even get there, let alone four more once you actually get there. And we're seeing how hard that is, especially for a team like the Panthers. Um, and Well, you the, also the see NFL, who the Bills have to go through to even get there. Exactly. Like, the NFL is really hard, too. Girls, like Mahomes. We're going to have to beat probably the greatest quarterback, in, in my opinion, in NFL history who right now is Patrick Mahomes or mm-hmm. who who's trending to be that at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. He's more talented than Tom Brady. He's already on a better trajectory than Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And he has a team surrounding him that's built to win for the next 10 to 15 yeah. years. So yeah, it's not set up well, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I would, I would still bet on the bills um, mm-hmm. given that they do have Josh Allen. And I would even say this year um, we can, we don't have to talk about the bills. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. We don't have to- my point is, it's it's it, it's it's fun to have that conversation because you can sure. finally, because you can finally have it, especially as a, like, for instance, like I said, if if the Sabers were to go out and get Connor Hellebuck, I think it would go down from maybe plus forty five hundred to maybe plus twenty five hundred, maybe yeah. even maybe even less, and mm-hmm. then if you trade for um, a top four defenseman, you fill out that bottom six, adding to what this team already had. Adding Devin Levi to the mix, adding Yuri Kulik, adding potentially um, Matthew Savoy or a lot of these younger guys. Mm-hmm. That's a team that can win. That's a team that can sneak in either as a wild card or the second or third seed in, in the Atlantic and then potentially make a run because they are so young and they have more legs than these older teams in the Eastern Conference. So yep. it is not without the realm of the possibility. And we were very, very close this season. We were. Um Another thing too, uh, it's just, um, I mean, there's just a couple pieces away, man. And it's exciting that we were able to sign Ryan Johnson, um, Devin Lee's. I, it's so exciting to see him, what he's going to blossom into. Um, it's just fun to finally have conversations where it's not every off season. What are we blowing up? It's what are we adding to get us over the hump? For sure. Um, I think right now you look at the Sabres team and even on paper right now, I think they're a playoff team. I just do. Um, But what puts them over the hump to make them a bona fide playoff team? And that's the fun conversations I'm enjoying having finally after a decade. Um, And like even going into the draft, like it was always like, oh, 
top 10 draft pick. Like, who are we going to take, number one, but when is he going to play next two to three seasons? Um, thankfully, it happened a little bit quicker than expected for guys like Dylan Cousins and Jack Quinn. Um, yeah. But now, with the 13th overall pick, you're asking the question, should we trade that pick for, our- for a bona fide – NHL forward or defenseman or even goalie. Um, yeah. you're, I think you're having that discussion because I think the Sabres are that close. Yes. And that's the exciting part. Um, transitioning out of that, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, signings, trading. There was a big uh, three team trade today. Uh, I, you know, between the Philadelphia Flyers, LA Kings, and Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, just to give everybody a quick breakdown uh, who aren't aware. Um, Blue Jackets receive Ivan Provorov, um, and the LA Kings receive Kevin uh, Kunutin, defenseman, Hayden Hodgson, forward, and they will retain 30% in Ivan Provorov's contract. And then the Flyers are the winners, clear as day of this trade. They get Cal Peterson. Obviously, I'm not leading off like he's the, the star piece of this, but defenseman Sean Walker, defenseman uh Howells Grands, but they get a Kings second round pick, a Columbus Blue Jackets first round pick, and then a uh, a conditional second round pick in 2024. Not too much sure of the conditions of that second round pick, but I'd imagine it would it would involve that maybe potentially turning into a first. But I mean, that's a great haul for if you're a Flyers fan. I mean, and also like a first time GM and Danny Briere. Like, yeah, that's a great move. Exactly. Like you're finally acknowledging as an organization, like, okay, we have not succeeded in a long time. We need to strip down to the brass tacks, start over and really try to figure this thing out because they are not built even close to compete in the Eastern conference. Conference Not at all. Um, So yeah, that's a good trade. Uh, I personally love um, trading Ivan Provorov uh, during pride month. I think that's great, isn't it? I think that's a really nice little little piece to this. If for those that don't know, Ivan Provorov <laughs> uh, did not uh, participate in the Flyers' Pride Pride Night Pride celebration this year because he claimed that it was against his Russian Orthodox religion. Um, didn't even yep. say that his uh, family was potentially in danger uh, if he were it was to celebrate just a religion that. thing. You know, it was just he just d- doesn't believe in homosexuals. So shout out to you, Ivan Provorov. Uh, go down to Columbus, you homophobe, and enjoy rebuilding for the next 10 years of your career. Um, also, I, I, not, could, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, also, not that I good. agree with you more. Also, not that good. So, like, you're just going to be on a team that's never going to win anything that is largely uh, dysfunctional, and nothing's going to happen to you for the rest of your career. See you later. Oh, yeah, Don't I love it. He'll be in the KHL in three. He'll be in the KHL in three years. Uh, you, I came, you, came, you came in with the heat, and I love it. You can you can almost predict that. I mean, yeah. Of all of the, like, obviously, Ilya Labuchkin said didn't participate in the Sabres Pride Night, but he did say that he legitimately worried for his family back in Russia. And given the geopolitical yep. climate right now, I'm not one to say that that's untrue. I'm at least hesitant to believe well, it because I do think that there's like a little bit of an anti-gay culture around Russia. But at the yeah. same time, like you can't say that's not not. A real thing. You you look you you look at you look at the Artemi Panarin situation when he spoke out against Putin, and less than twenty four hours later he had uh, uh, false rape allegations uh, against him for, out of Russia, and then he had to go like into this weird secret hiding for like a month. Yeah, uh, because 
he was terrified. You don't you don't mess around with Vladimir Putin. I think, no, uh, I, think a lot, I think a lot of people, Brittany Griner learned that the hard way. Um, I think a lot of people are are learning that. And of course, it's a very tragic and horrible situation in Ukraine. So I think that mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of compromise and there's a lot of um thought that you can put into a lot of these situations. But Ivan Provorov wasn't one of them. He was no, unabashedly so listen, Listen, Ivan Provorov, you are, people are entitled to their opinions and the way they want to feel about life. And, you know, that's fine. But this, for me, the Pride Nights, it isn't about whether or not you agree with something. It's about letting a certain uh, brand of people, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I, for the lack of better terms, yeah. let them know that they're accepted here, that they're, it's Simple okay that. You're not to make, it, make it a safe it. place for them. Yeah, you're not outwardly supporting it and say that's what you do. Yeah. Like I'm a gay person and whatever. No, you're just being a normal yeah. human being and accepting people for who they are. That's exactly. You're letting them know that this game. You don't have to make it a bigger deal than it is. And then he did, and he got yeah. traded. And we'll see you later. Yeah, you're letting you're letting them know that this is a safe place for them. And if you're not for that man, then fucking kick rocks, man. Yeah, Get out of here. Later. Like, honestly, go exactly. back to Russia. <laughs> like, I, you know, there. people who know me know my feelings. I'm very progressive. And, you know, it's again, it, it's not a political issue. It's, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. Often people like to say that and excuse that. Oh, why are we talking about politics? That's not politics. You're just an asshole. Yeah, you're an asshole. 100% agree. Couldn't agree with you more, Hurls. Uh, Ivan Provorov this past season, uh, six goals for 27 points and a dash 17 on the plus minus. Um, obviously, a big contract for uh, the flat dumping that contract. It's a big contract for the dump. Um, taking a look at some of the other players here, too. Um, Cal Peterson, obviously, we all know he's been kind of like up and down in the lineup uh, in, um, uh, in L.A. Uh, again, kick rocks guy. Uh, said no to the Sabres years ago. See you later. Um, yeah. I, I'm not too familiar with some of these other players that are involved with it, like Kevin Kooten and Aiden Hodgson. But you're, uh, you, you, I don't know if it's my reception or your reception, but you're coming in, you're coming in real shaky right now, bud. Uh, you know? uh, still a little shaky. We're all kind of good combination, but. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep going. But regardless, uh, again, uh, big three way trade makes makes the uh, Stanley Cup Finals a little bit more exciting um, for those who haven't enjoyed it. Obviously, some other news. Um, and again, it looks like the Flyers really make out in this one. Pick up some prospects um, and some picks for a team that's clearly rebuilding. And another thing too, uh, as well. Um, is Carter Hart on the trade block? We heard some rumors about that today. Buffalo's name was thrown around a little bit. I'm not sure if that was just pure speculation or if somebody heard something. Um, I forget the the insider that tweeted that out. It was but, a T- uh, it was a TSN insider. So I think it there, was okay. I think there there was like a little bit more than smoke to the fire. I think it was like a legitimate source that um, heard that the Sabers were at least kicking around. Uh, possible options. Yeah, and you know, what does it? How old is he? Is he is he twenty five? He's twenty four. Okay, so I don't know how I feel about that, 
Um, obviously, um, depending on the price tag, I mean, it could be low risk, high reward for sure. Um, obviously, I remember how great of a rookie season he had. I'm pretty sure he started the year off this well. This the, the year off, the, like he was on fire, wasn't he? Yeah, he obviously had a, a down past couple of years to the point where mm-hmm. I think they had to bench him for a while. And then this season, at I think, like you said, in the beginning and even in the middle at certain points, it seemed like he kind of figured it out again. Um, yeah. And I would say, aside from Devin Levi, he's probably the best Canadian goalie prospect of the past five to ten years. Um, yeah. And like you said, he's 24 years old, three or four seasons in the NHL, so not even close to the potential prime of his career. Um, okay, so this season he was 22, 23, and 10. And I remember on a dumpster fire, dumpster fire, really bad Flyers team, team with a 294 uh, goals against and a 907 save percentage. Career-wise, he's 84, 84, and 26 with a 296 goals against and a 906 save percentage. His GAA this year and GAA and save percentage this year, uh, very close to his career numbers. I mean, but, those aren't um, bad numbers. Those no, they're not. They're not. Especially as like an NHL goalie on a largely bad team. Those were those were better numbers than what Bob had this season. Yeah, they're better numbers than I would. Say. Those are above average NHL goalie numbers, especially yes. in this day and age of increased scoring. Mm-hmm. His first two years in the se- in the NHL in 31 games played, he was 16 and 13. Second season, 43 games played, he went 24 and 13. Uh, third season, uh, he went. That's when the downfall kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. 27 games played, nine and 11. Last season or the season before last, uh, 13 and 24, and then this past season, 22 and 23. But again, like I think there's. Again, depending on the price tag, I think there's some upside there. Definitely. Um, how would you feel if they went out and made a deal for Carter Hart? Obviously, that takes UPL out of Buffalo. There's no – I mean, Devin Levi's on the Buffalo Sabres next year. There is zero yeah. doubt about that. Um, so do you think UPL is in- included in that deal? Uh, uh, I had a friend ask me that today. Like, would that be like a one-for-one? One? Like, wh- what – I guess I'm wondering – given like the fact that obviously he's a pretty touted prospect and he's already played a significant amount of games in his career. Like what do you give up for a guy like that? Especially knowing that the flyers are effectively just having a fire sale. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Cal Peterson plays 30 games for the flyers next season. Oh yeah. I think for sure. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's interesting because like we said, he's a Canadian guy. Um, Mm -hmm. Him and Devin Levi probably know each other. Um, he's enough of a veteran at this point that he can give you a good chunk of games and also be competitive while also not being like that bell cow to the point where if he Mm -hmm. gets on a run that you're not going to play Levi at all. I think that's, that's the risk you run into if you go out and get Connor Hellebuck, because he's the type of a guy that can play 60, 65 games, no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms of talent level, like it might be even a better situation than Connor Hellebuck with the the Levi combination because as Mm -hmm. we've discussed like they they don't want to block the path of Devin Levi being the eventual number one goalie for the Sabres the next five to ten years or even longer um they probably want him to be the full-time unabashedly number one starter starting in I would say 2024 so if this is the bridge guy that you have 
it might not be the worst idea. He comes in next season, can give you 40, 45 games. He's proven that he's an above average starter mm-hmm. in the NHL. Um, he's young enough, but also has enough games under them that, that he could give Levi some tutelage. The more, I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I don't hate it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, me and you, we've talked a lot about potential goalie tandems next season. We've both been pretty high on the idea. If he's willing to uh, wave his no move. I, I actually got a lot of hate. I tweeted. I don't know if you saw that. I tweeted it out the other day. People were not about Flower being a Buffalo Saber. Like, no, no way. He's pat- First off, we had a 41-year-old Craig Anderson put up decent numbers for the Sabres this season. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is a future Hall of Famer with three rings. Probably, um, and I would say at this point, way better than Craig Anderson. Yeah, and why on earth would you think that if you're in terms of finding a guy to sit next to Devin Levi every single day during the season, have his locker next to Devin's, why would you not want it to be Mark Andre Fleury? He's the perfect guy. <laughs> like he literally and, is. And also, in terms of the style of game they play, they're the exact same height. They're from similar places. Yes. Everything about the situation. Obviously, he can come and give you their 30, 40 games too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think people probably just want like probably a better option. That's why the Connor Hellebuck news, I think, was so significant, is because he's a top five NHL goalie. You know what I mean? And even like, I think people are probably excited about Carter Hart because I'd put him in at his best. He's top 10 and probably given his averages, he's top 15 to top 20. And that's mm-hmm. better than anything the Sabres have had in a long time. Yeah. So combining that with Devin Levi, who I think we all believe as he continues to develop, even at some point next season, he could get into that top 20, top 15 mm-hmm. range himself. 100%. So both of those guys, and I think the tandem mindset for goalies these days is really important. Like there are, like we've discussed, there's only three or four or five guys in the league that can give you 65, 70 games anymore. So you want a good tandem and you want a guy that number one, you don't want to play on back to backs Um, Mm -hmm. two of three, three of four, the schedule is crazy these days. So if you can have two guys that you can really rely on, that's really important. And if that's Carter Mm -hmm. Hart, I think everybody should be at least like a little bit more optimistic about it. Agreed. Yeah. I, uh, again, I'm not against Carter Hart being a Buffalo Saber because like, I think he is a good goaltender. I think that um, it's hard to gauge a goalie ceiling on a team like the Flyers who have just been an absolute, I mean, dude, they traded a first round, first and second round pick for Rasmus for Stalinen. <laughs> like, like, and not, and, and another they, warm body. And they probably want to get out of that contract now. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like it's it was a terrible if deal. If you're Danny um, Breer, you're probably trying to get out of basically every single contract on that team right now. Analytically, Ristolainen is a goalie's worst nightmare because he's just not even analytically. Like look at him play. Well, I mean, you, you know what I mean. Like in terms yeah. of you know no. keeping things simple. Like he's just, he's a dumpster fire. Dumpster yeah. fire. He's not a good. Defender. I'll never question his work ethic because the guy works he's his tough. ass off. Yeah, but. Doesn't have a lot going on up here in terms of hockey IQ. Um, exactly. But yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I I feel for guys like Carter Hart because I think there is a very good goaltender in there and uh, just needs to be able to stretch his wings, baby, on another team. Exactly. You know, uh, come, come right to us. Bring us to the playoffs. You know, exactly. I, I think, in, you know, we've said, we've said it a couple times, you know, Devin Levi starts his career 
two, two, three weeks earlier, Buffalo Sabres are the team that's playing Boston in the, in the first round, not the, not the Panthers. Um, you gave me a tandem of Devin Levi and Carter Hart and another veteran defenseman, top four defenseman on this team. Um, I can, I'm willing to bet a lot of money, whatever the odds are that the Sabres are in the playoffs next year. I would, maybe not, I would, even, I would, maybe not even as a wild card team. I would, I would bet money on the Atlantic division, to be honest, who knows what's going to happen with the Maple Leafs? Who oh, knows dude. what's going to happen with the yeah. Bruins? Who's no, who knows what's going to happen There's with the, no way the Bruins or the Panthers that. or any of these teams. There's no way the Bruins repeat that again, or exactly. anywhere close to that. Exactly. And no way. We all we all knew that this was their year to do it. Yeah. They mm-hmm. sold the entire barn and the tractor for this season, mm-hmm. and they lost in the first round. Um, they, the Leafs they just still, they still got Tyler Bertuzzi out of it. I'm pretty sure he's still there for another year. Oh, he's a UFA. Oh, is he UFA? Well, <laughs> he's either they better hope that he liked it enough there to stick around. He's either a UFA or an RFA. So is Orlov. Uh, I don't know about Hathaway. Um, Bergeron's probably going to retire. Marshawn's not the same player anymore. No. They have one of the best players in the game, but who's David Pasternak going to be if he doesn't have Marshawn and uh, mm-hmm. and Bergeron on his line? So yeah, yeah. I, I I would I would venture. This is me being an optimistic Sabres fan, as I have mm-hmm. been for my entire life. I would venture to believe if the Sabres make significant improvements this offseason, they have a legitimate chance to win the division next year. And that's really yeah. exciting. Yeah. And um, I, I got in, in terms of Toronto, and I, I discussed this with a work colleague earlier, one of the big four has to go, right? Like you can't bring all four of those guys back next season. No, I don't think you can. And expect, to, and expect to be a, com- a competitor in the playoffs. And you also you killers on that team, and like whoever I, it is, I, mean, I saw like Hellebuck and Marner like rumors for some reason. I, I think Marner's a guy you definitely keep. I would I would even venture to say I that you would. I would even venture to say you keep Marner over Matthews. Because, I, I think Matthews. I think unless I think Trevling's, uh first top of his list of things to do uh, as new GM of the Leafs is to figure out what's going to happen with Austin Matthews beyond next season. Is he a Maple Leaf? Does he really, does he, I mean, he says he wants to be here, but you listen to the words like Willie Nylander, who says, I would, there's no other place I want to play, but Toronto. And then you hear Austin Matthews say it the same thing, but not nearly as, you know, an enthusiastic way as Nylander did. No, I, I um, think he would, uh, I think he would love to play in Arizona. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I well, really I mean, I, he would love to play in Arizona as long as they have a place to play. Exactly. Who knows you what's know. going to happen with that. Um, last but not least, obviously some news came out today um, on Rasmus Dahlin, Sabre star defenseman. Um, some rumors float around that. Uh, we could possibly be seeing a uh, contract extension soon, and which would not surprise me at all. It's it was said by Kevin Adams um, that is on his list of things to do, and I'm pretty sure we also know that he has already engaged uh, in contract talks with Owen Powers' agent. So um, it looks like we could be in the midst of a Rasmus Dahlin extension. Uh, Hurls just. Right off the top of your top of your head, like what's a good number? Obviously, it's got to be eight years. Do you think it's going to be, you know, 
above, at, or under 10 million? I think it's going to be at. I think it's eight years, 10 million. I think so too. Yeah. I, and, and I think that's a steal. No, I think it's, that it's is a steal. And that, that makes him the third highest uh, paid defenseman in the league on a per year basis. He would only be behind Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty, who yep. are, you know, probably two of the best defensemen of the past 10 to 15 years in the NHL. Um, and, and, and honestly, if you should make more than them. Yeah, honestly. But, and then you talk about Owen power. Um, you can't justify paying Owen power more than Darlene. Right. No. So um, he's going to get, he, he's going to get a bridge deal. Probably. I, 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 man, you would, you would have thought the same though about guys like Tage and even um, Samuelson would have, would have, you know, would have, you know, sold hot sold, you know, bet on themselves you know, signed, signed a shorter term deal and, you know, broke big, especially after the, the year that Tage Thompson had coming close to 40 with 38, you saw the potential there to be a, a star in the league. And then yeah. signs that eight year deal at 7.2. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's still happy with the money, but kind of sure. screw himself because he, he he's a $9 million player right now. Only make it 7.2. For sure. Um, I think it's hard to say. I mean, Darlene took the bridge bridge deal and he wasn't even close to where he is now when he yeah. took his second contract. So also with Darlene, the, the, the organization was in a much different place, different GM. For sure. Um, um, I do. I, I think power probably ends up getting eight or nine. Like he's arguably he's not as good as Darlene offensively, of course, like he's probably just as good or even better defensively. Um, and his ceiling is just as high or even higher. Would um, you take would you take eight and a half for eight right now? For power? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously. If you can get those two guys. I would do signed, nine. I would do nine and a half, just yeah. like a little bit less. <laughs> yeah. If you if you could get me Owen Power signed for the next eight years along with Darlene and have both those numbers come under 20 million, sign me up all day. Look, I think that, we're that, all- and that would mean that would mean you'd have Tage, Samuelson, Cousins, Darlene, and Owen Power all signed, if my math is correct, for under $40 million. Yeah, like if your top two centers, <laughs> like your, top, your, your top two centers and your top three defensemen locked away for the next decade. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, really smart business what Kevin Adams has done thus far. Obviously, Darlene proved this season that he is who we all thought he was. He is the generational talent, the number one overall pick, who was far and away a no doubt if the Sabres took anyone else that draft, it would have been nonsensical. Same thing with Owen Power, although I think the Matty Beneers discussion was at least like a tiny bit closer. You could have it. You could have it. Yeah, it was at least a tiny bit closer in Matty Beneers. Very good player, rookie of the year. More power to him. I would have loved him on the Sabres, but I think getting that six foot six franchise locked down the guy who plays probably more important night yeah who was probably more important in the long run especially given the forward depth the Sabres had in the organization at that point so um like you said I think any type of deal under 10 million for power is a bargain any type of deal under the highest paid defenseman in the league which is what's going to happen for Darlene 
is a bargain. Mm-hmm. It's crazy talking about this $10 million a year is a bargain, but that's where yeah. we at with, that's where, where we are with professional sports. And that's the type of, yeah, buddy, we, our, our city's quarterback is in Gillette commercials right now. Exactly. I mean, he's TMZ, he makes, TMZ's following him around. So I think hey, it's, it's he's dating Haley Seinfeld now. He's dating an A-lister. Huh? He's right up my alley. I, I got a wild, right? Inside, my first day back from vacation, Josh down on a sushi date with Haley, Haley Seinfeld. Were you, part, were, were you a part of that story? I mean, not the original photos, but um, when we got back from Memorial Day weekend, um, he had eventually gone out to dinner with her, and there was a picture of them at sushi. And I did some, yeah, I saw those. Did some Instagram digging, and we were able to use it, and it worked out really well for us. Either way, is it official now? Are they dating? Oh, they're one hundred percent dating. Yeah, all right, it's great. We love it. It's crazy um, that not to get hate. too much of a tangent. <laughs> it feels like I mean, it feels like he's been bro- broken up with the with Brittany. Is that now now X for yeah. like a month? Mm-hmm. And well, there's the ass. There's, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of rumblings about the nature of that relationship and the transgressions for I think eight to nine months now. So yeah, well, um, yeah, it's 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 been in rock it's been in rocky waters it seems for a while. So either way, it's officially done, Josh Allen. But getting back to the discussion of where we were, he's I think <laughs> I think his cap hit this year is forty two million. Something like that, which is just like, like, can you imagine, can you imagine making $42 million a year in Buffalo? No less. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. I think he's a Buffalo bill for life. Honestly. Of course. I think so too. I think Dalian's a a Buffalo Sabre for life. Who? I think Dalian's a Buffalo Sabre for life. I think so too. I think there's a number number of players on this team that are Sabres for life. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it all goes the way they want it to, with this being the final rebuild, getting to the playoffs next season, kind of way, kind of the way the Bills happened in 2017, right? They make the playoffs mm-hmm. in that first year with McDermott. Uh, obviously, it's not going to happen with, in the first year with Granado and Adams, but they've been slowly getting to this point where mm-hmm. the expectation, even way more so than last year and the year before, is that if the Sabres don't make the playoffs this season, it is going to be looked at as an, a massive failure. Something happened. Yeah. Something I went. I, I know. I know. Kevin Adams wouldn't say playoffs are bust in his exit interviews, but that's what it is. No, it's a hundred percent that. Like I'm it was almost. It was almost that this season at the trade deadline when we were like begging him to do something. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I listen. I'm not saying we were wrong. No, because I don't think we were. No, because I still think you could have made a better move than you know found a way. Like Riley Stillman, you probably could have gotten a better defenseman than Riley he Stillman. Turned out to be much better than we expected. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't bad. Was not bad for Buffalo, but you probably could have gotten somebody that added more to your lineup to get you over that hump. That was good enough to get you two more points. Because that's sure. really what it came down to. Someone that got you it was good enough to get you two more points. I know. It's um, wild. But man. regardless, it, it didn't work out that way. Um, I'm happy with with the way the season went, I'm not angry shaking my fists like some fans were. I mean, am I disappointed to make the playoffs? Yeah. But, you know, Jordan Greenway, the jury's still out on him. We'll see what happens. I, I mean, I, he played better in the 20 games he played for the Sabres than he has in the last three years for the Wild. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that the development of Don Granato and the culture surrounding the team right now, any guy that comes in, I think is going to benefit from that structure and that organization. So, it's a really, it's more than anything with Dallin coming up, power, 
draft, free agency. It's a really exciting time to be a Sabres fan. We haven't even talked about, your obviously, the Amherst's uh, loss to the Hershey Bears in the uh, semifinals, but just the impressive season from from the Rochester Amherst, the year yeah. Kulik. Um, obviously, Matthew Savoy didn't really contribute too much in the in the time he did have, but there's a lot to be proud of down in Rochester. And I mean, they were selling out games there in the playoffs. Uh, there was a lot of hype. A lot of I mean, a lot of Sabres fans helped contribute to that. But um, yeah, I a lot to be excited there. And the crazy thing is, as great of a year that Yuri Kulik had. You can't even pencil him in for sure as a sure thing for this. No, lineup. and I think that which really is crazy. Happens, that really happens. Uh, that really depends on what happens in the free agency, right? Yeah. Like if the Sabers go out and get a guy like Travis Konecki or uh, Kevin Hayes or any of these guys that are free agents uh, that could come in and slot in on the second mm-hmm. or third line or that second or third pair. Um, a lot of these young guys might have to wait another year, which. Mm-hmm. Not the worst thing in the world. Uh, Yuri Kulik's 18 or 19 years old. I think that like he would absolutely benefit from having another year in Rochester. Um, you don't want to rush these guys up too quickly. You know, like I think Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka are obviously NHL players at this point, but mm-hmm. they only had one year in Rochester before they moved up. And turns out they're as good as we thought that they were. Um, and I, I'm, we're all expecting massive yeah. jumps for both of them this season. So, yep. I think that having, um, I mean, another year for Savoy in the WHL because he can either be on the Sabres or go back to juniors. Yeah, there's, then, no, there's no Rochester for him. Yeah, and then Kulik, uh, another year in the HL. As a 19-year-old, you don't need to rush him up to the big squad. No, um, and he could be your first call-up in the, in the NHL if you need exactly. him. Exactly. Injuries are going to happen. So. If, he does, if he does not start in Buffalo next year, he absolutely gets games in He'll Buffalo. Definitely games. There's no yeah. way. I don't I, – there's no way you don't give him games. You got to sure. reward the kid at some point. No, yeah. I mean, he's he's a talented player, and he's the type of guy I think uh, the Sabres have been looking to replace Victor Olofsson with for a while. So yes. we'll see yeah. what happens with that. But, um, yeah. Final thoughts? Clear. Very exciting time. Final um, thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, I really hope the Panthers make this a series. Um, I haven't had the chance to watch too many NHL playoff games this season, and, of course, these first two haven't been the most exciting. So really hoping that they figure it out um, at home and be the team that we saw in the first three rounds. I think they're very capable of that. And I think uh, Bob has that in him as well. This is kind of the last hurrah for him, in my opinion, in terms mm-hmm. of um, where he at, where he's at in his career. And I think this a lot, a lot of this falls on Matthew Kachuk and Ale- Alexander Barkov. They yeah. need to put up or shut up at this point. It's obviously a really tall task against – uh, probably, in my opinion, one of the better teams to be in the Stanley Cup Finals in a long time in Vegas, who's come together at the right time. Um, and they're very good, and they're probably going to win. But I at least hope they make it make it a series. And then we can get into the Sabres a little bit more as, as more things continue to develop. Yeah. But like we said, hopefully Darlene um, gets, gets signed here in the next couple of weeks or however long it takes, and we'll see what happens to free agency. But yeah. it's going to be a long summer and it's, only a few months left. It's going to be a fun summer. Yeah. And I do have, obviously, you know, in years, in, in you know, off seasons past on the show, we've had guys like Chris Peters and Cam Robinson on Cam Robinson with uh, um, uh, elite prospects. Uh, uh, Chris Peters, I believe now with flow hockey, um, he's been with a couple different platforms, but two very informative guys. Uh, you know, we have, we've had uh, other, other analysts and insiders on too. So excited for what the offseason bring, um, you know, 
hopefully we'll have a certain Hamburg native on who uh, it looks to be uh, the first Buffalo native uh, to be drafted in the first round of the NHL draft since Patrick Kane, Quint Musty. Um, his name's been thrown around. Hopefully maybe you can have him on as a guest. We will see. Um, I know uh, our other co-host is much more confident than I, but we'll see if the other kid has time. Obviously, he has a lot going on. So, um, But my final thoughts, too, outside of we're going away from hockey is uh, obviously you've probably seen it here in Buffalo. We've been dealing with a lot of, a lot of smoky weather. Not even weather. It's just smoke that's filtering in from Canada. Um, I'm in Canadago right now, and, like, literally you would think that it's fog. No, it's smoke from the wildfires that are taking place currently in Canada. And uh, as we've been talking over the past hour, um, I got an update on my phone. There's a uh, advisory uh, for people for tomorrow morning. Essentially, I don't know if they tell them to stay in their houses if they can, but like to be careful when breathing in this air. That's it's 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 going to get worse. So for anybody uh, who is in one of those rough areas back home in Buffalo, I'm two hours away, but you know. You know, don't try and breathe too much of that smoke in, I guess. Uh, it's it's pretty bad here right now in Canada, Iowa, but I heard it's much, much worse over in Buffalo right now. Oh, stay yeah. safe over there. That's a massive problem here in California, obviously, yeah. with the wildfires. Um, yeah, you know, you you obviously know yourself. Yeah, exactly. in the past you seven years, like in the past seven years, there, there are times where you go outside and the sky is just orange um, yeah. just from the wildfires. So, yeah, everyone stay safe over there. It, it actually, Hurls, after after we get off, just take a look at – there was a video. I think Howard Simon uh, may have posted it. Um, it was a video of Yankee Stadium tonight. Nuts, man. You can't even see the sky. That's crazy. So. Um, well, global warming, it's a real yeah. thing. No, it's not it, – no, it's, it's, it's totally fake. It's to- totally fake. <laughs> um uh yeah those people are idiots personally anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. think global warming is a thing no, we, we don't need to acknowledge yeah them. we don't have to yeah no not gonna acknowledge them them and the flat earthers they need to go <laughs> and the homophobes and who and the homophobes yeah and the homophobes the ivan provorovs of the world the flat earthers and uh the global warming is fake people they gotta go uh but with that being said man hurls always a pleasure um, obviously much quicker episode this week, but, uh, always a pleasure to have you on bud. And, uh, for all those that followed around since, uh, the start, we started about an hour ago. Uh, thanks for hanging around, um, in this impromptu episode of two goalies, one Mike brought to you by outlet liquor, the place to buy a case on George River Boulevard. Remember for all your drinking needs, whether it's for hockey, the Sabres, the bills, the Bisons, the bandits, we didn't even talk about that. The, uh, champion national lacrosse league champion Buffalo Bandits bringing home. I, I wish I could say it was the city's first championship, but they did win. I think it's their fifth now, so they're yeah. just, they're basically it's been a long time since basically they won. a dynasty um, at this point. Yeah, since 2008. So yeah, yeah. You know, they got revenge over the Colorado Rock. Um, I guess Wayne there's like Smith a parade or some type of celebration plan on the 15th, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, I mean to be honest, it's it's kind of a niche sport. A lot of people don't know a lot about it. But the fans dude, are really it's, passionate. It's exciting. I've been to plenty of Bandits games. It's an exciting atmosphere, dude. Yeah, people love it. it really people is. People love it. And I, I think the fan base is just as passionate or even more mm-hmm. so than Sabres and Bills. It's obviously much smaller. Um, yeah. But that's the type of thing that is really good for the city, no matter how big it is. Um, any, any type of win, any type of championship, no matter how small or 
how niche the sport is. I think that's a really good thing. So yeah, shout out to the bandits. Hopefully the shout Sabres and Bills keep it going. Couple clicks for the bandits. But um, again, thanks for everybody for hopping on. Uh, this has been episode one or twenty six of Two Goalies One Mike signing off. You guys have a great week and enjoy Game Three Thursday night. Uh, we'll talk to you then. See you later. Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies One Mike, a show where we give you a behind the mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, Hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.